0: Ah, oh, mate, it's 40 here, it's been a cloudy, drizzly, overcast day. I've just been wandering here in Royal National Park, wandering alone, the wandering Jew, for three hours. And uh, finally met people down at the watering hole. So good to see people. And sending like, text messages to family members so at least they'd know where to find the body. <laughs> It's like just God forsaken. Nobody out here. The the train you know, stopped at waterfall. It's supposed to go all the way to Otford. But uh, electricity went out on the track. So I just saw a hiking trail, got off the station, just started hiking. Here I am. I think I'm about 90 minutes from Civilization, listening to Diana Fleischmann and she Evolutionary uh, Psychologist.
1: stereotypes and I think in California there was uh, an algorithm that was used to just decide whether or not child protective services should go into a home and, uh, and see what's going on and they were looking at uh, income whether the mother lived alone or with a partner unrelated to the children um, having a man in the house who's unrelated to the children is a very big predictor.
0: So I ran in here I am in Royal National Park Australia all right and I uh, run into this couple and the bloke, he's El Salvadoran. He owns a gym Like who would have thought I'd meet an El Salvadoran In Sydney Apparently there's a whole community of them and them came as, as refugees around 1989. So his his extended family came here. He was born in Australia and uh, hasn't even experienced like racism and harassment And uh, spent his whole life basically in Sydney. Who knew there was an El Salvadoran community in Sydney? All right, stereotypes. ...of whether or not this is going to happen. Unfortunately,
1: having an unrelated male in the house is also very predictive of whether or not his family is black or not, um, with Latinos actually somewhat less common. And so this algorithm was not neutral when it came to where it was sending CPS, and so they ended up discontinuing it, therefore making the process of figuring out where to send CPS agents to see if children were being
0: abused less efficient. So there's a long article in the New York Times about how in New York, social services, they were trying to figure out why uh, they're eight times as likely to get reports about child abuse with regard to black families and non-black families, and that... uh, foster children were like eight times more likely to be murdered in black families as opposed to non-black families in New York so most social workers are black and most supervisors are black yet the system is still delivering these racially unequal results pretty scary how entrenched white racism is Okay, so, that would be in certain areas, right, not a universal principle, not something marked down by the will of heaven, but in certain areas, getting racially disproportionate results with regard to child abuse. Now, I would think that rates of child abuse would essentially correlate with general rates of crime. So people who are careful not to commit crime are going to be much less likely to commit child abuse. And people who are careless with committing crime are going to be much more likely to commit child abuse.
1: Making our institutions less able to predict human behavior and even to control human behavior for good ends because we are uncomfortable uh, with that control. And so we're saying that all of the the measures and ways that you might do that actually don't, don't work. Yeah. Like if you think about something like Clover Orange, you know, uh, that, in that film, you are man- the, the, the viewers manipulated to bad back for a, like a rapist and a murderer because they've used the technology to undermine his free will when you know, none of us have it anyway. It's
2: pretty remarkable, isn't it? I mean, uh, the the other um, you know, line that you're kind of touching on, which, which I've observed in the US and Australia, is that incarceration rates are, are, are compared to population uh, proportions rather than propensity to. goes along, it changes dramatically, but then you get into super awkward and bit controversial uh, territory, which we don't need to, to do now. So, um, <laughs> as a subset of the, of the Big Lies, I'm fascinated by some of your work, which um, touches on kind of deliberate lies. So, um, in the past, you mentioned certain, I don't know how you call them, but value traps that for men, things like vulnerability. Um, so, could you unpack that, and, and how would you categorise this bundle of that? Two okay. single Middle aged women.
0: <laughs> so there, there the point was how we've completely remade our institutions in favor of single
2: middle-aged Please, women so, um, which, is, which is fine, I've got nothing, I, I think it's kind of hilarious and awesome framing I'm just wondering whether you could, tell me if I mis- have uh, okay. mis- mis- that I I understand what you're saying, yeah, yeah. So um, this is an edgy
1: thing to say, but it does seem a little bit like our moral and social institutions You know, what we think is okay now um, has been shaped to be advantageous to single Middle aged women <laughs> 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 um, somebody called this like the feminization or gynification of, of
2: culture um, yeah. I, think, I, I, and I think it's related would, to what I said before I, mean, I think, yeah. think there absolutely has been I think it's controversial a feminization of society which is really great because we get less crime and we get all mm-hmm. these kind
0: of okay this is how not to conduct an interview don't interrupt the guest to say this relates to what I said before or this supports what I said or think you're basically agreeing with what I said you can just leave that safely behind.
2: Good yeah. things as well, but you get these really strange values. In might be strange because I'm like a, a, you know, a 32-year-old guy, I guess. But like in my view, really strange values kind of creeping in.
0: Okay, none of this adds anything. Just shut up here and let the guests talk.
2: I've um, been taking over the discourse a little more.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, this, this... Somebody told me the other day that they thought the podcast had devolved into kind of gossip. That if you see what most of the people are doing they're talking about what other people are doing instead of ideas and
0: that's a that's a feminization. I don't know if that's, uh, that's, a, that's a so women if you interrupt them they usually won't fight back now men, much less likely to let you interrupt them so this is a problem here with a male interviewer like repeatedly interrupting the woman and the woman defers and lets them get away with it now while a bloke would be saying, hang on a minute let me finish my point
1: Um, yeah, vulnerability. So women do say that they value vulnerability in men, but there's really only certain kinds of vulnerability that women uh, value in men. And there is this idea that, that men are supposed to expose themselves, supposed to talk about all of the worst things that ever happened to them, and be super super honest. And I do think that that's a very good way of getting somebody to reveal very early on, and you have to sort mates of quickly, um, about what
0: So I've got a friend who likes to walk really slowly and I think it's kind of rubbed off on me. So I used to be a fast walker like my dad but I've, I think I've, I've become accustomed to walking more slowly to fit in with the rhythm of my very intelligent, brilliant friend whose company is scintillating. Uh, so now I'm habituated to walking slowly and so now I have a hard time keeping up those who walk fast, like this young couple I met at the watering hole. Like they said, uh, we walk fast and yeah, absolutely no way that I could keep up with them.
1: What their life has been like, so that you kind of know what you're getting into, you know, the kind of worst case scenario of that relationship is going to be like. Uh, but yes, the idea that uh, men and women should behave in the same way, should uh, reveal their vulnerability in the same way. And then, you know, moreover, the idea that the more emotionally uh, hot you are, you know, the, the more emotional you are about anything is some indication how honest that value judgment is. You know, if, if I'm very emotional about something, I and this is you see this in politics now too. That people are, are saying that you, you, the, the more emotional you are about any given point, uh, the more likely it is to be true. But with women and, and men, uh, if you look at the kind of some of the things that have happened in the past few years, um, uh, women really moralizing against men, uh, calling a man a pedophile if he wants to have sex with a 17 year old, right, uh, who has gone through puberty, or. Uh, or calling uh, men who, uh, saying that men who cheat on their partners or who, in the past, a woman should never have any place in uh, public life again. Uh, those seem like women's value judgments, things that are most advantageous, especially single middle-aged women um, being
2: forced of society. My, my favorite as example of this is probably Leonardo DiCaprio's dating history, where, um, you know, it's basically, as he's gone from 20 to 45 or whatever, the age is, like, the same. And so, like, this is just enraged, like, a.
0: So 25 years ago, Leonardo DiCaprio and I were dating the same woman at approximately the same time. But uh, I guess our careers have gone in different trajectories. Of the, of the but I think, like, to, try
2: to be more specific, I think yeah, another um, half-ton chick- example of this is it has been mentioned to me say say wokeness that you know men are you know brought you know told to kind of be all woke and be allies or whatever um and then you know those guys are the ones who actually are left out in, in, in the night you know what i mean and so again i don't like I, I, I don't I'm admit,
1: for a man who says he's a feminist to make a misstep that causes him to be
2: Exercise. Well, even, no, but even even like um, you know, women, women want to speak, you know like signal who the um, who the partners that they shouldn't choose are, and so they kind of set these traps. And you go, oh yeah, I'm a friend on someone you're saying, like okay, that's not the guy, so to speak. So it's even more. I, I'm only saying this uh, because I, that's how I understood your point about vulnerability to me. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not i uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. this. Uh, I'm just just to be clear. No, no, I'm wondering whether I got the wrong end of the stick or whether no, no, I, I need examples. I, I do
1: think that, that you're, you, are, you are right there um, I just read Esther Perel's "Mating in Captivity I've read that as well
0: I'm actually not a big fan of the book or her, uh, or her approach Okay, see, that's where You're hurting the interview You're hurting the podcast By always interjecting On every point Okay, so she mentions the name of the book And you jump in and say how you like it Alright That's unnecessary And Diana, the guest She doesn't like the book all right, so you're just assuming that if she mentions a book it's because she likes it, and you want to interject with, oh, yeah, I like that, I read that. It's unnecessary to talk about how you read the book and you liked it. Just allow the bloody guest to talk, mate. She's,
1: she, I, I like her, actually. And egalitarianism can be the end of sexual chemistry, so that uh, women talk about how they want somebody who's very egalitarian, who's very sensitive, who's sort of feminized. But that kind of person doesn't make them sexually excited. That women are in fact, as anybody who thought about evolution for five seconds could tell you, more often attracted to men who are showing strong behavioral masculinity than men who are showing uh, less behavioral masculinity. So uh, there becomes this tension between men acting morally and men acting in a way that is attractive uh, to women. And I do think that that's something that, that could probably cause a lot of, uh, of problems. Um, this couple that I know who actually met, uh, they were like anarchists, and they were both part of Occupy Wall Street. And, you know, they had this incredibly feminist, egalitarian relationship, and they have gradually become more conservative. And they told me basically that when they figured out that, like, just adhering to kind of old-fashioned sex roles really made their relationship much easier, you know, when she was doing more detail-oriented things, he was doing more make uh, money kinds of things, that their, their relationship became um, more straightforward. So I do think that there's a lot of uh, attention between the sexes, uh, you know, from everything from egalitarianism
2: to um, the idea that sexuals are arbitrary, which they are not. Yeah, and no, I mean, watch over this, my wife's and robot and you know, it's been hard for her to have three kids under three and four. And you know, I feel like you know, I mean, I'm deeply grateful that she's she's done that. But you know, in some respects, you know, I wish she'd go out, and I think she wants to obviously. So I wish I'd love to support her to go out and fulfil those those ambitions, and then you know, kind of juggling how we you know balance our respective careers and raising our children. These are like hard questions that you know we haven't invented These are kind of ubiquitous hard questions. But like, I'm not diminishing the kind of inherent. Challenge there at all so i'd like to move on to sorcery what i mean by sorcery so um so you've written about uh, how women tend to train men and men tend mm-hmm. to resist training and i'd love for you to describe why in your view that occurs and why women have evolved a range of sorceress wily skills <laughs> in ridiculous. verbal cues and, and manipulation it's kind
1: of funny that you mentioned sorcery because uh, for a little while given the resurgence in interest in kind of witchcraft and the supernatural and there's
2: another feminization like thing, right? Like it's, well, uh, women
1: love that stuff, but actually I had a Hindu last year we're all still in touch and we call ourselves a coven and we um, <laughs> have the women that I interact with, like the PhDs and stuff, love magic stuff. It's very it's very compelling. Um, uh, And I and I had an idea just, to organize the book around that. But yes, women... Why oh, is that? Sorry. I'm
2: actually...
0: Cause I'm- yeah, I've had you know, very smart girlfriends, right? Secular girlfriends. Girlfriends, you know, with uh, secular education, elite university educations who believe that they had witch-like powers.
2: I I love that you said it's compelling, (laughs) because to me it's totally baffling, so why is it compelling?
1: Okay, uh, I used to be quite like a hardcore rationalist. Probably when I was your age, I was like pretty hardcore rationalist. And then I made friends with some women who were into this kind of horoscope switchiness and stuff like that. And um, if you can have a cynical view of it, or if you can suspend your disbelief for a little while, it does make things seem more meaningful and more interesting. Uh, it's, It's difficult to describe.
0: It's a return to an enchanted, magical, mysterious world uh, The world's more exciting When you have magic and mystery and horoscopes
1: To somebody who's never um, necessarily felt it But y- you feel like you have some extra control uh, Or that you're manipulating consequences I think women are specifically attracted to witchcraft uh, And these other ideas Because it gives you another realm In which you can think about How you might be controlling behavior So if you think
0: Right, so the world is so incredibly random And baffling and frightening that uh, we love things that give us an illusion of control whether it's witchcraft or a religion or following a guru uh,
1: let me go back to the original idea and then I'll kind of talk about how I think witchcraft is associated with it so the basic idea is that we're always trying to change each other's behaviour and trying to change each other's behaviour was very evolutionarily relevant And uh, especially um, men trying to change women's behavior uh, was not as relevant as women trying to change men's behavior. So women wanted men to do a a lot more stuff that was complicated and against their nature than men wanted women to do. Really what men care about, mostly if they have a long-term mate or partner, is that she doesn't have sex with anybody else. And she doesn't cuckold him. That's the main thing. Uh, But for women, they want a man to take care of her. They want her to take care of her children. Sometimes she wants him to take care of children that are not his own. She wants him to not... Um, divest his resources into other women, which is something that is in his strong interests. And so she wants a lot of different aspects of his behavior to be controlled. And that's why I think women find any kind of idea about how to change the environment in a way that manifests their psychological will compelling. And so if you change the immediate environment, you have delicious food, you have uh, beautiful candles and decoration. These are all things that women are more interested in than men. And these are also things that can influence other people's behavior so women have their their niches but a lot of women are very good at cooking or very good at uh massage or dancing or art or sex or various other things and in, in my framework that's basically ways that um, somebody can have a niche niche in which they reward other people for the behavior that they that they like and uh yes if somebody does um, you know it's generally the kinds of witchcraft that my friends do are just basically like here's like some candles and crystals and things and this is to uh show that 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 autumn is coming, and I'm just celebrating the change of the seasons. It's just kind of a a way of, of, you know, it's just an aesthetic extension. But if you look at witchcraft and sorcery throughout the ages,
0: so there's a statement in the Talmud that uh, talks about the the three curses of of having a female child. That when they're young, you have to watch out for their chastity. And when they're old, you have to watch out for them becoming sorcerers and witches. I I don't remember the third one. But these are pretty traditional concerns in male societies.
1: It's been a way of trying to um, impose your consequences, your rewards and punishments, onto somebody's behavior. So if somebody slights you or behaves badly towards you, then that you, you want.